Uh, you want a podcast? Oh yeah, fuck! I thought we were just chilling. Yeah. Oh no, we're uh, we're uh, we're chilling and recording it, and then well, what we're gonna do is you and I are gonna hang out just like we would normally, but we're going <laughs> to have this thing where I count down, and then you give an intro, and then both of us are like do a thing that's dissimilar from when we hang out, and then eventually we just kind of. Uh, talk about horse shit, and then we realize that enough time has passed that we then have to do an outro, and then we clap again. This can't be what our podcast (laughs) is. West Coast is burning on fire. The coronavirus is ravaging through colleges and schools throughout the United States. And J.K. Rowling just released another book. Guess which one we're going to talk about tonight. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name is Henry. And my name's Single Issue John. And together we're Henry and Single Issue John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist. But first, I don't know why I said but first. I have no, I have nowhere to go. That, yeah, that, wow. there's there's literally never been a but first. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Normally but, it's we talk about the zeitgeist and then we talk about the zeitgeist. Where did the but first come from? A but first typically means that there is some kind of pre-prepared material, which, as we've discussed, has never happened. No, absolutely not. I that that was odd. I I do n- I do not know where that came from. Here's the problem, Henry. You got to come up with a but first now. Oh, I I have to come up with a but first. All right. Well, yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, I'm gonna put all my brain power into coming up with a but first. Um. Here we go. If I could get, if I could, like, if you could channel your energy into me, John, if you could start, like, making, like, effort noises. Okay, here we go. And I'm receiving your energy, and I'm receiving your energy, and it's all coming together. But first, how are you doing, John? I'm doing pretty all right. How about yourself? No, I'm doing pretty well. I'm very tired from work, as uh, many people are, but not... 33.4 33.4 million Americans. Oh, wow. Is that how many people are unemployed at this very second? Yeah, something like that. That's insane. I can't believe I've held on to my shitty job as long as I have. We should be grateful every day. Uh, <laughs> so grateful to bow down for capitalism, daddy. I I don't know if anyone on the podcast who listens to the podcast is aware, but I am a huge, huge fan of capitalism. It's my favorite, and it gives us everything we need. Are are you being? Are they? John, John, let me know if you're. Are Are you okay? No, Henry. The invisible hand of the market is <laughs> infallible. All of our plans are high deductible. Have you heard about Medicare Advantage? Oh no, I feel like they got to John. I'm not entirely sure. Healthcare uh, needs to be means tested. If you've ever done drugs, you deserve to die. <laughs> uh y- you know, something odd happened last week on the podcast. Uh for those of you who listen, you already know, but like management stepped in and censored me. I don't know what you're talking about, Henry. Oh, God, John's been replaced by, like, a management-approved drone. Okay, that's interesting. Well, you know, instead of harping on this for long, I'm just going to, like, move on to... uh, Tonight, I'm being sponsored by uh, Live Oak, Hefeweizen. I've got got three of a six-pack here with me. 
I'm drink maybe two tonight. We'll see, but let's just get that started. So that was a real uh, aural journey for me because the first series of metallic clicking sounds I thought was the botched opening of a beer, but then there was the actual opening of a beer. So I'm not sure what that first sound was. Don't worry about it, John. Maybe you're not the only one they got to. Uh, now, have you noticed on the Live Oak Hefeweizen cans that they've been redesigned lately? Oh, I've noticed that it says Bavarian-style wheat ale, Live Oak Brewing Company, 12 fluid ounces, 5.3% alcohol by volume. And then there's a little blurb that says Extraordinary Lagers and Ales, craft brewed in Austin, Texas since 1997 using traditional beer-making methods inspired by old world style beers is that what you're talking about no i think they've actually changed like the graphic design of the cans you might have gotten one of the old ones i don't know i I might might also be crazy you might be uh now this week i'm drinking and i'm not going to open it right away because uh to our real heads to our old heads uh to our dust heads and our cone heads uh i am drinking a beer by lagunitas uh, Lagunitas out of California. If you know anything about Lagunitas, uh, in addition to being one of the uh, kind of legacy craft brewers, they've been around for a really long time, they like to put a lot of words on their cans. And if I opened it, the amount of like craning and rotating <laughs> I would need to do to read everything on this can would spill the beer on me. Uh, well. So I just want everyone to know that I'm... Like, Drinking a Lagunitas, under it it says, say, Lagunitas Hazy Memory IPA. It is an unfiltered, hazy India Pale Ale. Uh, Under that it says, oh boy, uh, ellipses. Every good boy does fine. Every girl band drummer is fantastic. Eager gremlins breakdance fluidly, make no exception. Mnemonics order neurons, it's complicated. Why does it say all that? Now, this is the first of many paragraphs found on this can, uh, followed by the side paragraph. Uh, now, this is the one. The What I read to you is the band paragraph around where the lid goes on. I believe typically for Lagunitas beers, those are the same. This one is specialized to the beer. Uh, it's right on the tip of your tongue, so close you could taste it. Just back into the left, slightly obscured by less important, but somehow more cherished. Uh, info like one hit wonders and world series winners idling for just the right moment for recollection usually a week later just past four in the morning as clear as a foghorn in the bay right in your ear uh what was it again why does it say that hazy memory is evocative of everything we've learned to hop forward brewing expressed in a glowing unfiltered voice beer speaks people mumble okay i do they have a vendetta that they're trying to get out through their beer? Uh, Lagany does for a very long time. Uh, as far as brewers go, uh, I, I think they just kind of don't give a fuck. Their uh, cans look weird, but their beers are delicious. And we are about to find out if this uh, Lagunitas Hazy Memory IPA, which is my two favorite kind of beers, uh, Hazy IPA and an unfiltered beer, uh, is delicious. Yep, it's great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It's very tasty. It's like a a hazy IPA that's not like super juicy, kind of closer to like a a traditional West Coast IPA, kind of dry. If listeners cared, this is like the citrus slice that I love. It's the antithesis of it while still being delicious. John, what do you mean if listeners care? I'm sure all of our listeners at this moment are just dying to know what you think of Lagunitas, but they don't have to because you literally just told them. They're writing it down in their John Beer Taste Diaries, their JPDBDBD. <laughs> of course, their JPDBDB. And now they know how I feel about Lagunitas hazy memory ipa and hopefully once all this is over they'll solve me a riddle wait you have a riddle 
Yeah, so have you ever heard of a um, a rebus? Is a, that's one of those statements that when you read it backwards, it punches you in the face. Exactly. Uh, so if you take everything that I've said about every beer I've ever drunk on this podcast and reverse it, uh, you will find my treasure. Wow, that's pretty cool. And how much is your treasure worth? Oh, I mean, it fluctuates every day. Uh, okay. You know, it's a, it's just a series of collectibles. Uh, have, you ever, <laughs> have you ever heard of Duel Masters? Duel Masters? Uh, have you ever heard of Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah, I've heard of Yu-Gi-Oh. So there was a card game that came out uh, maybe a year after Yu-Gi-Oh came out, I think called Duel Masters. Uh, and it's just a big box full of mint condition Duel Masters cards. Well... That sounds like a treasure for those who want to find it. And for those of you keeping track at home, here's a Henry puzzle update. Everyone knows that for the past couple of weeks, I've been doing a puzzle while we recorded the podcast. And I know you know that because I've mentioned it in no way, shape, or form. (laughs) I'm laughing because... I have been doing a puzzle. I've just I haven't talked about it at all on the podcast, but I've been doing a puzzle. It's a scene of uh, five London buses crossing a river in front of the Parliament Building in London. And I, I, just for an update, the water, the bridge, and the buses are all complete. I just got to do the top half of the puzzle, and then I'll finally be free. That's right. If you piece together all of the things that Henry just said, you will, national treasure-like, be able to find an ancient Egyptian treasure. And just to remind everyone, some of the Mint Condition Duel Masters cards you'll find in my treasure by solving my episodes-long rebus is Assault Dragon, Explosive Fighter Yukarn, Emerald Cyberlord, and Brawler Xyler. Oh man, Brawler Zyler, that guy owes me money. Unfortunately, you will not find Belix the Explorer Gladiator. He was destroyed. By what? Forces unknown. Alright, well I'm going to give the puzzle a rest because uh, the the cut that we get, the die cast of this puzzle that we got, is, is really poor. And some of the pieces I have to like physically force in. And there's no way that's not being not caught. The mic is picking it up is what I'm trying to say. So I'll stop for now. And uh, let's let's move on with our lives. Henry, I think when you put a puzzle together, you're actually supposed to find the pieces that fit seamlessly together. You're not supposed to just force the pieces um, to be where you want them to be. John, you've obviously never done a puzzle with me. Otherwise, you would be spending a lot of time searching for pieces that actually fit yeah i've i've unfortunately only done one puzzle in my life oh yeah uh the puzzle of the flesh that sounds erotic oh buddy it's not (laughs) okay intriguing i'm intrigued anyway back with our lives Right, so let's get out the old things we actually prepared for this podcast. Oh, let and, me pull uh, up my reams of paperwork. Yeah, let me. I, I got some printouts and some index cards I need to go over. Um, uh, I have really, a really, okay. I have a three dimensional cube of data, like uh, like in a site, like in uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Oh yeah, who could forget? No one could forget from the director of the Fifth Element. Yeah, who could forget that movie? Yeah, it was a great time. Now you see me too. Oh man, let me make sure my phone's not going to start playing a stupid video. I mean, let's make sure my index cards are completely silent. You All don't right, want got... noisy index cards. No, because that they would totally ruin the surprise that you have index cards. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I'm I'm on the same page. All right. Well, I'm glad you also have the same index cards. Uh, So this week we've got something to talk about. We kind of previewed it a little bit at the top. Seems like J.K. Rowling's woes are not running out anytime soon. That's right. 
Uh, I am, uh, what's the word? Not happy. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. I am, uh, I am not happy to report that J.K. Rowling, and this might not be news to everyone, but she actually publishes books under the pseudonym Robert Galbraith, which, hold on, if you thought that was the worst fake name possible, actually has published a series of mysteries, including the most recent called Troubled Blood. And I believe the most incendiary thing about all of them is that the main character's name is Cormoran Strike. Yes. So probably uh... nothing else to talk about there other than her total (laughs) absolute lack of being able to name characters and also not be racist. Right, right. She, she, in a long line of bad names, we've got Troubled Blood, Robert Galbraith, and Cormoran Strike. Cormoran Strike. Like it's the worst strike possible is, strike. The strike worst is asserting possible or? character name in no uncertain terms. It is the worst name in fiction. Yeah, that's that's some Max Powers bullshit. It's unbelievable. Now, those of you who have been following the works of J.K. Rowling through our podcast, you will know that for a while now, she has been in hot water because of her opinions about uh, trans women. That's right. She has been in hot water because of her inability to name characters with different racial identities other than white people in non-racist ways. That's right. J.K. Rowling thought, what are we going to name the white people? Albus Dumbledore, Hermione Granger, Harry Potter, Severus Snape. What are we going to name the Asian one? Cho Chang. I mean, yeah, you have a point. I can't tell. Is Cormoran Strike... Is it egregious because of his or her race? I have not read the book. I mean, I can guarantee you 100% that Cormoran Strike is a is a, is like an Anglo-Saxon, probably Protestant white person. Because if she wrote like a Jewish character, they'd be called like Shmilo Silverstein. Oh no. Okay. I Yeah. Um, anyway, other than her inability to write fiction names of either books or characters and her, and her obvious racism and or anti-Semitism, I think that's pretty much covered everything that's problematic about JK Rowling. And if anyone brings anything else up that's problematic about her, I might have some kind of fit. Uh, John, I, I hate to break it to you, but on this very podcast, we have already discussed that she has some problematic views towards trans women. Oh, what? Yeah, that's right. We've discussed it at great length on her Twitter feed. She is known for, for tweeting out very vile things against trans w- women, accusing them of just being men and women's clothing. And being overall, like, very, very afraid of being attacked by a man pretending to be a trans woman and gaining access to areas that should not be available to him, such as women's restrooms. Do you mean to tell me that J.K. Rowling, the hack author who cannot name characters uh, or write mysteries... Uh, and is also racist and arguably anti-Semitic, is also an avowed transphobe? To the point where uh, she, uh, this was, this happened recently, we talked about it on the podcast, but like Stephen King tweeted out something and then she liked it or he tweeted it and then he came out, let me be clear, all women are women, and she like unliked it, unretweeted it. Oh like, my she, god! She is, she's very avowed, very prominent in her her beliefs. 
about who and who isn't a woman. And all of this stemmed from a tweet where she made fun of what she thought was cumbersome writing about people with vaginas and said, oh, I, I wonder if there's a word for that. Oh, well. And that, oh my. Oh. that sparked, that lit a little, a little spark that, that flamed this whole thing up. Because not only did she never apologize for that, but she never even just clarified, I was just making a joke about cumbersome writing. Instead, she said, uh, men aren't women. Oh my god, what a Hufflepuff. Uh, anyway, I bring this yeah. up, John, because it's relevant to the GD book that we're talking about. Did you just want to talk about the names of the book, or did you <laughs> want to talk about why this book is in headlines? Uh, yes, to drop the pretense, J.K. Rowling's newest book in the one killed flew over the cuckoo's nest, <laughs> the cuckoo's calling, the Robert Galbraith saga, Cormoran Strike, uh, is one troubled blood in, in which the character, um, I think we talked about last podcast how uh, when the Trump boat sank by creating wakes that were unsustainable, uh, life does not serve you up metaphors so easily. Uh, I feel like we are in a bumper crop of not only me- metaphors, but similes uh, in, in that we have her... A long history of being an avowed transphobe on Twitter, and then it metastasized in her publishing a book under a pseudonym about a serial killer who dresses as a woman to kill his victims. Right. And this, the only uh, free article I could find without signing up for another service. Apparently, uh, oh, I lost the article completely. Hmm. Hold on. Here we go. Found it. Uh, the meat of the book is the investigation into a cold case, the disappearance of GP Margot Bamborough. In oh, incredible Ma- name. Incredible name. Yes, Queen. Incredible, incredible name for a fictional character. <laughs> In 1974, thought to have been a victim of Dennis Creed, a transvestite serial killer. Uh, wait, is that the blurb or is that just the This article? is a review of the novel in The Telegraph by Jake okay. Carriage. Uh, I tried to go to said review in The Telegraph and they wanted me to sign up for a one month free trial. So here we are reading a quoted a quoted article from the mirror of all people. Uh, can we discuss really quick that I don't, I feel like transvestite is, I almost feel like transvestite is a slur, but does it just mean a man who identifies as a man, but dresses women's clothing? Let us know. Um, I, I almost thought because our, our understanding of intersex people were, has gotten so much broader that the word kind of fell out of vogue, but here, here it was in this, this art, this review, um, the transvestite, here's the official definition from, uh, Oxford languages, a person, typically a man who de- derives pleasure from dressing in clothes, primarily associated with the opposite sex. I, I would bring issue with that definition. Uh, because old... it frames it entirely from like a male perspective and also one of like a deviant sexual thing. That might be an because old definition. I, f- I feel like the actual thing people say now is cross-dressing, but I also don't know if cross-dresser is acceptable. I don't, I don't have the perspective to truly know, but I feel like transvestite is maybe, it feels derogatory to me. Yeah, it seems to cover uh, it seems to cover cross dressing, what we know as today as cross dressing. But I guess it's a very historic term. That uh, when I say very historic, historically, this definition about deriving pleasure from dressing in clothes, primarily associated with the opposite sex, seems to be true. Comes from the nineteen twenties. 
Uh, I will say, uh, just the German, the German transvestite from Latin trans across and vestire cloth. I will say uh, a resource that I typically tend to trust on these issues, which is glad the gay and lesbian alliance against defamation uh, says, do not use the word transvestite ever. Okay. Good to know. Like I said, I thought it fell out of vogue. Yeah, it felt weird to hear you say it. I'm glad, glad and, and to, let to us be, know. Uh, to be clear, I'm reading, definitely reading a quote written oh, by absolutely. someone else. Absolutely. Anyway. I, it, it just seemed weird and, and old-fashioned that they would use that word, which is where my commentary came from. Uh, Maybe I don't they're borrowing language from the book. That would suck. Yeah. So Mr. Jake Carriage continues to go on by saying... One wonders what critics of Rowling's stance on trans issues will make of a book whose moral seems to be, colon, never trust a man in a dress. Uh, uh, I really don't like it. The review? I uh, I just don't like that it exists. I mean, it was the mayor. The mayor, yeah. I, well, actually, that was the from the Telegraph. The mirror was only quoting from that. So maybe the Telegraph has some issues. I don't know. They're all British periodicals. What do you want from me? I will say that the name of the review from the Telegraph is pretty incredible. You should read it. Uh, Because it says, Troubled Blood by Robert Galbraith Review. J.K. Rowling fails to strike capital S again. That's pretty great. It's pretty good. You can always count on British publications to pull that kind of shit. That's amazing. So yeah, it seems like um, it seems like one of those things where you know this might be poor timing. Um, it probably isn't, but it seems as though Rawling was like, "Yeah, well, you trust all these these," and you know, paraphrasing from her point of view, all of these men in dresses. Well. They're dangerous, and I've got proof. Here, I wrote a book all about how you can't trust men in dresses. It feels almost at this point bordering on pathological on Rowling's part, because at least if I were to, in the past, dissect her argument, which I don't agree with, but at least could find like some ideological backing in, uh, her belief was that the existence of trans women uh, being, uh, feels crass to say, but being like men who are assigned, being people who are assigned a male gender at birth, but actually identify as being female, trans women, uh, that their existence uh, denigrates and diminishes the stories of and struggles of cis women, uh, and especially heteronormative cis women. Uh, and I, I understood where she was coming from there, uh, from the standpoint of, I understand that's an ideological stance that I do not agree with. Uh, however, that also had an undercurrent of fear, primarily fear of violence being inflicted on women by men. So now with the release of troubled blood, my concern is that her argument this entire time has been men when given access to femininity will use it to kill women which is like a prism of offensive wrongheadedness which both condemns men and trans women right it's like it, the worst possible opinion to have and in a way Anything you shine through that prism of erasure will just fit your your bias if you're using it. Like, it, like using that prism and saying that men will use access to feminine spaces to hurt women kind of erases trans women altogether because you're not even acknowledging them as women. You're focused more on the fact that they were born biologically male. You're not giving them any sort of acknowledgement or validation 
instead you're just focusing that oh you were a male once that means you're bad forever yeah it, it's it's total it's total erasure and and like defamation like when it seemed like her ideological stance was one of erasure of the experiences of cis women i was like well that's interesting it's wrong but it's interesting um but now she's very much aligned with like your 60 and 70 and 80 year old like super right deep south american conservatives whose primary fear stated fear not actual fear of the transgender movement of trans rights is that if we allow people to use the same restrooms people are going to use the ladies room and they're going to strangle a five-year-old girl to death because they're evil pervert transvestite weirdos like her her novel but wrong approach to the issue now seems to actually be a very retrograde problematic violent and like unspeakably depraved version of it. Like any respect that I had for her wrong opinion is now completely gone. Right. I'm, you know, as I dive deeper into reading about this, it seems as though Miss Rowling, this is not her first foray into this sort of trope. Um, Mermaids, a UK based charity, which supports transgender children and their families said it was concerned by reports that the book features a character presenting as another gender in order to carry out attacks. This is a long-standing and somewhat tired trope responsible for the demonization of a small group of people simply hoping to live their lives with dignity, a spokesperson said in a statement to CNN. The spokesperson cited an example from Rowling's second book in the Strike series from 2014, The Silkworm, which featured a transgender character as a suspect. We are disappointed to hear that the author might be propagating the same long-standing and hurtful presentation of trans w- women as a threat. Oh, so boy. this book, Troubled Blood, isn't even the first time that Rowling has gone out of her way to, <laughs> to go after a transgendered person as a suspect. So one thing that I think is interesting from the Daily Beast's write-up of this is they actually explore beyond the conceit of a character who dresses in women's clothing to to violently prey on people. And they actually explore how the book is more transphobic than that initial reading. Uh, If you'll forgive me to read a paragraph or two. Uh, Rowling portrays villain Dennis Creed's habit of wearing dresses as a guise that masks the violent monster underneath. His effeminate tendencies cause some people he encounters to believe he is gay, which can feel further reminiscent of the homophobic arguments the 1970s and 1980s, which cast gay people as predators primarily in how anti-trans movements now frame trans people. Rowling's protagonist, Cormoran Strike, says at one point that Creed's victims had been hoodwinked by a, cap- a careful performance of femininity. But most harmful are the the passages that mock Creed using the language of transphobes. There's a fixation, at times, on Creed's ability to pass, including an entire retrospective on a doctor's office debating whether an unregistered patient was a lady or a man in a dress. The book frames Creed's interest in women's clothing as a result of abuse he suffered as a child. As an aside from the article, once again, ancient, uh, terrible trope. Uh, and cast him as a voyeur who uses the cloak of womanhood for his own twist purposes. Again, pernicious anti-trans tropes. Quote, it excited me to watch a woman who didn't know she was being observed. End quote. The character writes in one first-person passage, quote, I'd do it again to my sisters, but I'd creep up to lit windows as well. I was aroused not only by the obviously sensual aspects, but by the sense of power. I felt I stole something of their essence from them, taking that which they thought was private and hidden, end quote. Wow. So, you know, it's one thing to commit a crime, you know, that's bad. But to write all that shit down, (laughs) (laughs) to basically confess that you committed a crime, 
undeniably. I think that it's incredible that it seems like she unequivocally wrote how she feels threatened by trans people. This is right. a this is a real saying the quiet part loud. Except you published the quiet part loud, and, and like a little bit of projecting, like oh, what what could these what could these people be thinking when they do this? I know they think they're stealing femininity from me. That might, they're, yeah. they're stealing femininity from me, which allows them to look in uh, unmolested and undisturbed as they harvest from me my feminine essence. <laughs> Disgusting. Weird gatekeeping. Also, as the article mentions, a bunch of really harmful tropes about that person's upbringing. Right. Sucks. Yeah. Like... I'm sure if this book had been released years ago, it would have been fine, but we've, we've learned, you know, we, we've, we know better now. And the fact that she's still writing these, this type of stuff with this kind of language and not adapting at all to what we've learned is, is upsetting. You know, it's and it's it's not just like, oopsie, she forgot. No, it's on purpose in 2020 to use that kind of language and and to put forth these kind of tired ideals to reinforce a belief that she has demonstrably shown on Twitter to have. A fear that I would have is that it seems like the book is set in what you said, 1973. Four is uh, what I think I said, but I, that might be a cold case that happened in 1974. I don't know when it takes place in actuality. Okay, I don't know. My concern is maybe she would be... So let's set up a dichotomy. We have J.K. Rowling and then we have David Mitchell. Uh, incredible author, incredible skilled writer. Uh, we have J.K. Rowling who tries to create a pastiche from the 1970s and it uh, sucks ideologically. And you have David Mitchell who tries to set up a pastiche in the 1970s, and it sucks just kind of because he can't get the tone right. Uh, they are not the same. Right. Uh, even in creating a pastiche of the 70s, David Mitchell is like respectful and understands the audience he's writing for. Uh, I fear that J.K. Rowling, assuming this book is set in the 70s, could maybe make the argument that this is something that's supposed to be in the the tone of the 70s but isn't the infinitely more interesting and like academically valid thing to do in the modern day to write a book set in the 70s from the perspective of a writer in the 70s but to allude to and to understand issues surrounding people who are ascribed a different gender identity than they really have uh, obviously that's what a good writer would do, uh, but not necessarily what J.K. Rowling would do. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to find if I can find when uh, find out when this book takes place. God, I'm so uh, glad she didn't write Harry Potter. <laughs> Margot, so for the record, Mar- Margot Bamborough went missing in 1974 but that doesn't mean... No, please don't tell me this This can't be set in modern day. I couldn't give her a pass for it being pastiche. Well, I would almost prefer that set in modern day because then it doesn't give her an excuse. Right. All I can find is, is the blurb says that she, you know, Bam- Bamborough went Terrible missing. Name. Huh? Terrible name. Went missing in uh, nineteen seventy four. I, I can't. I can't. It doesn't say anything about when it takes place. Okay. Uh, well, be aware that if it does take place in anything other than the current time, uh, she will probably use that as, as an excuse uh, within the next week or two. Right. Henry, I have a problem. What's your problem? How do we cancel J.K. Rowling more than we've already canceled her? Because 
there, there's a handful of times, probably less than the number of fingers your average person has on a hand, that we have used our cancellation powers. You, you know, I, I've been thinking about this because we have canceled her a number of times. We, we've even uh, ascribed her books to Hatsunomiku, the, the actual author. Uh, I think it's because she has so much money. So it's difficult to cancel her because she has like money and presence. Right. It's, you, you know, it's not like the other people who have money, like, you know, um, what are they called? Uh, those creeps, Kevin Spacey and, and others who they depend on others for success. And that in order to get back in the limelight, other people have to approve them to get back in the limelight. Uh, whereas JK Rowling is a writer and yeah. so all she needs to do is write another book. And of course the publisher is going to be like, Oh yeah, we'll publish your book because you're JK Rowling. And also you're running under a fake name anyway, and all this other stuff. So it, it, it's just a completely different set of circumstances. And maybe that's why it's not sticking. It, it's tough because you're right. I, I think that when we do fire the cancellation cannon, it lands much more squarely on people who aren't independently successful. Absolutely. Like people, like comedians, people who need an audience. And, and, you know, in some regards, you know, writers need an audience and people need to buy the book. But I, I guess she, instead of being canceled, like the, like problematic comedians and others, she's sort of just thriving off the negative publicity that we're giving her when we cancel her with the, the canon. And so, you know, she's just, she's resisting. She, she's, she's got like a power. I mean, I'll level with you. It feels unsatisfying because, you know, we do not, what is this? Almost 200 episodes. We've barely used our cancellation powers, but I feel like the cancellation cannon just winged J.K. Rowling. Maybe we missed, you know, like maybe she, that's. She's a bird on the wing. She got away. Yeah. I, you know, maybe it's really on us. It's on us because we didn't, we didn't, we didn't nail her when we had the chance, and now she's like flying away scot free, coming up with new books, with with horrible premises that are that are you know hurting people in real life. Um, I I don't know, you know, I, I, who knows? Who knows why anyone can keep going whereas others are taken down. I don't know, man. It's it's scary. You know, we've used the cancellation cannon. That's worked. Um, we've successfully and dramatically uh, increased the brand recognition and social cachet of Hatsune Miku. Uh, and for that, I'm eternally grateful. But I don't know. Maybe it's a responsibility that we need to to deeper analyze because what? We, we, could... we fired on J.K. Rowling and it just backfired on us. Here's another interesting thing. Like the people who have been canceled, they were mainly wrapped up. Not I mean, that's a that's kind of reductive, but that was more of a product of the Me Too movement. Whereas this canceling of J.K. Rowling is its own thing. It's not connected with any larger movement. And maybe because it's not wrapped up in any larger movement, it's just not sticking as much. I don't know. Every article is JK Rowling uncancelable. I mean, she has not been canceled yet and we we've tried. So it might stand to reason that she has some type of genetic immunity to being canceled. I mean, we, for a second, I thought that Notch was uncancelable, but we got him. We all we all got him. He quit Twitter. Hotsnake he quit he Twitter. Created Minecraft. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know what to do because I, much in the same way that I personally am against both widespread gun ownership and gun culture, but guns certainly do kill people. <laughs> uh, I I am largely against cancel culture as a as a reactive movement but I can understand it's both usefulness and lethality. 
But what I mean, can you do when you can't cancel someone? Do you grow as a person? No, obviously <laughs> not. You arrange a boycott, and hopefully, no one buys the book. Yeah, but no one's buying that book anyway. <laughs> oh no, we're at we've we, we're out of ideas, and we've tried nothing. We've we've used both the court of public opinion and the uncaring tools of capitalism uh, because she has a a long series of totally unsuccessful books written under a pseudonym. Uh, Hatsune Miku wrote her wizard books. Yeah, which is a shame because she probably could use some of that money right about now since, you know, no one's going to be buying that book of hers. Oh, I did want to update you. Hatsune Miku also made the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone PlayStation 1 game. Oh, I'm glad? Yeah. It's pretty good. Wasn't aware that was a good one. Yeah, well, you know, there aren't a lot of good ones. The Deathly Hollows one was pretty bad. It was like Gears of War. What? Yeah, it was like a, it was legitimately the Deathly Hollows Harry Potter game was a cover shooter, much in the vein of Gears of War. Uh, <laughs> that but, sounds. But crazily, the the only good thing about it is that the robe that Harry Potter wears. On his run cycle, the wrinkles on his coat would change direction realistically. This doesn't sound real. I don't think there was a Deathly Hollows video game. Uh, it is absolutely real. I I could almost commit us to a supplemental reading of it, but we've already got too many to do. Yeah, we need to knock some of those out soon. But you're really telling me it was a, co- a cover-based shooter? It was absolutely a cover shooter. It starts at um, the Quidditch match where the Death Eaters show up. And it's off to the races from there. And it it's not good is what you're telling me? <laughs> no, it's not good. <laughs> it sounds amazing, though. But hear me out. The first one, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone on the PlayStation, is pretty good... There was a period of time where I was trying to play like every PlayStation 1 game in existence. Don't worry about me. <laughs> um, but you have to like, I think, collect Bernie bots, every flavor beans. You Wingardium Leviosa, some people. Hag- Haggard is there. It's pretty good. Okay. It's okay. no Vagrant Story. I don't know what that is. It's no Xenogears. I don't know what that is. It's no Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. I know what that is because it just recently got remade. It's no Fighting Force. I don't know what that is. It's no Spyro. I've heard of it. But it's pretty good. Okay. Well, that's that's good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts about the, the first Harry Potter game, but you seem to, so I'm, I'm happy you have found some happiness in this weary world, Traveler. Thanks, Hatsune Miku. Um... Yeah, I don't know if we're going to have an episode, an episode. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to have an answer in this episode about how to cancel, further cancel J.K. Rowling, uh, because she's she's continuing unabated. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's like she has a superpower or something. It, it, it's just. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't have any powers, so I'm not about to stand in the street and be like, come on, I'll take you on. Like, that's that's not me. Yeah, I I only have the one superpower. Oh, what's that? I got a perfect smile and a million dollars. You have a million dollars? Yeah, it does not go as far as I thought it would. Oh, oh, you already spent all your million dollars? Yeah, I didn't have healthcare for a long time. Oh, okay, that explains it. You spent it all on healthcare. Yeah, like one hospital visit was like $12,000. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard of such. Yeah, I I mean, you know, I just want Medicare for all because I don't have my million dollars anymore. Oh, I get it. You spent all your money and now you want some handouts. Typical, <laughs> typical boomer. Not, no, that's not what we are. <laughs> typical typical millennial. Spent all your million dollars and now you want more handouts. Wow. Yeah, and now I'm just out here trying to cancel a transphobe. Yeah, wow. Just taking money out of a nice billionaire who donated down to a millionaire's mouth i get it was did jk rowling do that yeah that's yeah she absolutely did that wait has she i she mean was, did, did she give all of her money to like trans transphobes across america 
I don't know who she donated to, but she is the only billionaire to ever give away enough money to become a millionaire. Wait. Two, two charities. Are we... I think I figured it out. Are we the bad guys? No, we still okay. need to cancel her. She's bad. Cool. But the the problem is, to cancel someone is to submit them to goodwill or the will of the people. But if someone has done sufficient good to cancel out their canceling... Like, okay, obviously Jeff Bezos canceled. Get rid of him. Everyone's yeah. seen his everyone's seen his dick and also he's bad. Um I've not seen his dick, but I do agree everyone, that he's bad. Everyone has seen his dick. So if you want if he donated like, you know, seven billion dollars to charity, he'd become uncancelled. Kinda, yeah, because hopefully that money would go to good places and goodwill would would sprout from his horrible money. So I think J.K. Rowling's actually got a decent amount of of like goodwill anti cancellation armor. Like her her AC is still untouched. Well, her AC wouldn't technically change just her hit points, uh, but her AC's higher than our oh, threat level. Our attack roll wasn't enough. It bounced off her armor. Because who are we? Nobody's. We our goodwill is screaming into the void every week. Okay, so maybe entities stronger than us have to cancel J.K. Rowling. I mean, we are just two people with two microphones. And two a microphones, and two, perfect smile, a million dollars. <laughs> and two rooms shouting every week into the void as millions of others talk, I mean, shout into their own respective voids. So maybe we just aren't enough and all of the individual voices on Twitter are not enough as well as that one guy at the Telegraph are not enough. Yeah, apparently the Guardian liked it. I I saw that Guardian, yeah. Don't judge it based on one review, but then, like, the headlines, like, was it tone death? Sure, but don't go... (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm quoting the same article. clear. This book I'm reviewing, is it (laughs) pro-Nazi? Yes. (laughs) But is it a good book? Sure. (laughs) I, I think that you know they were just warning against the uh, the dangers uh, of uh, just blindly following one quoted review, because um, like the the subtitle underneath this is the Guardian, yeah, the subtitle underneath the headline, it is tone death of Rowling to write a killer who disguises himself in women's clothing, but we should be wary when one review in the Telegraph is reproduced without question. So, <laughs> it, it is it, bad. <laughs> is it tone deaf and questionable for its content? Sure. But what about its content? Right. Right. Bad review. I don't know. We can't land on anywhere for how to effectively cancel J.K. Rowling. We'll have to take that to the Cancel Research and Development Laboratory. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe we submit this to the higher council and let them decide, take it out of our hands, because who are we but just two individuals, uh, as I said, screaming into the void? Wait, hold on. Do you mean we're okay. going to take this to the COC, the Council of Cancellation? I was thinking about it. I feel like it would be good for them to have a look at it. I mean, I... I... I'd shit the bed the last time I was in front of the COC. I oh, we'll send representatives. Okay, well that's it's not going to actually be us. You, you know, we're not allowed there anymore, right? No, not after last time. I understand that perfectly. Yeah, yeah, because we got canceled from the COC. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Now they did grant us a reprieve, and that we didn't have a mass registered cancellation across multiple media channels. No, no, just we, our membership was canceled. Yeah, no, we our membership was unfortunately canceled. I still do have my card; it has the stamp that says "canceled" on it. Oh, oh, they let you hold on to yours. That's cool because now you can get like uh, you can get discounts at movies. I just hit it, hit it in my butt crack when I left the building. 
Um, thanks for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I don't know, man. They they make me nervous. Who? The cancel the council cancellation. Okay, well they then we don't have this podcast. They could make this podcast go away like that. We don't have to go to them. I feel like it's I'm, our duty, though. I mean, yeah, but surely this is already on their radar. Yeah, one would hope. I mean, come on. They're not going to miss a chance to cancel somebody. I don't know. They're still trying to cancel all those Twitch streamers. And that's hard. They have well, it's followers. near impossible. <laughs> There's apparently this guy called Leafy that's just like the worst. Keeps getting banned for saying racial slurs. Keeps getting banned, but he keeps coming back. They can't cancel him. Well, he makes too much money for Twitch, so they can't leave him. Can't they? Can't leave him banned. Last time I went in front of the cancel council, the yeah, the cancel cancellation. Uh, they were trying to. They were trying to ban. They were trying to cancel every like leftist communist who posts a picture of their breasts. I don't know what to do. What? what? There are leftist yeah. communists who are what? Yeah, apparently. Apparently, a bunch of them. A bunch of them. Okay. Bunch of them hundreds. Hundreds. Boy. Yeah. On Twitter. Sure. Okay. I'm sure, they're on Twitter too. <laughs> what do you mean too? What? Are you, what are you talking about? It's fine. I'm just saying they're trying to get rid of them. I Can don't stand. Uh, I mean, I. Okay. And it's not working. Are you trying? To... I think what you're revealing to me is that canceling does not work like equivocally across the board. It's never worked, and that we actually have had zero power this entire time. I'm just saying, we've never effectively canceled people, but we could be canceled like that. I mean, we I hear you. Canceled. We are two cisgendered white men. Talking you don't know how comfortable opinions. I am. You don't know how comfortable I am. Primarily about comic books. It, I swear to God, if there's two more pictures of us cracking a soy face, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about comic books. Yeah, we actually never do comic books <laughs> for fucking nerds. Comic books are for fucking nerds. We do only, comic book movies. Yeah, the only comic books that non-nerds read is Booster Gold. Hell yeah. High five. I'm not doing it back, though. Uh, Blue Beetle, baby. Hell yeah. The blue and gold. Back in action. And the Swamp Thing by uh, Rob Rob Snyder? No. (laughs) Alan Moore? No, there was a really good Swamp Thing run. Oh, like a recent one? I have the trade paperback. I forget who it's by. It's tremendously good. I should okay. lend it to you once the global pandemic is over. This is actually the episode we've gone the longest without discussing at length the global pandemic. Yeah, instead we talked about J.K. Rowling the entire time. We talked about the other global pandemic, transphobia. Yeah, and we talked about her apparently the entire time. Like, when did we start? Did you see? Uh, we started at about 10 minutes, so we're, okay. we're right on schedule to be ending the episode. Wow, man. How did we... blew by. How did we do that? That Wait, what time is it actually? How? When did this happen? <laughs> yeah, right? I'm going to... So, I'm going to listen back to this episode, and there's going to be, like, moments I don't remember, because I feel like we just started... Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we're maybe 20, 30 minutes into an episode. That's a good sign, right? Like we had a good time? Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope it's not a sign that it's all bad and crap and not worth listening to. Uh, What if you listen to it in the middle? There's just like a prolonged silence. (laughs) There's just, yeah, there's just some static in the middle and like a beeping noise. And, uh, you know. Five, 13, 73. Ooh, a number station? Seven. Yeah. Yeah, number stations. Those those are pretty cool. Yeah, they made a All whole right. show about it. It's called Frasier. Do, do, do. That's the match theme song. <laughs> what? Um, 
So we need to. Uh, okay. All right. So, you know, we can't cancel anybody. So that's sad that we lost that power we thought we had. Um, but hopefully someone can, but J.K. Rowling might be immune because of her goodwill. I'm rehashing everything we just said for the sake of a weird sum up so I could move on and say, John, we need to do some of these uh, some of these supplemental readings we've been putting off. That's right. This is the end of every college course where at the outset you're expected to learn everything. And then at the end, the professor realizes you haven't been paying attention. So he summarizes everything in the last three classes. That's what we're doing right now. And we will, I promise you, no doubt 100% because no one's parents are in town and John's not in a depressive episode anymore. We're going to watch Bloodshot. And the next episode will be the supplemental reading of the Vin Diesel Fast and Furious Extended Universe film Bloodshot. Valiant Comics Cinematic Universe Turok Bloodshot will be the next episode. Is it streaming anywhere? Yeah, I can send you a link. Okay, okay. It's on on stars, but I mean... (laughs) Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, I'll send, send you a me, link to I'll send you a link to stars.com. Yeah, send me that stars.com link. I've never been able to find that website on my own. That's right. Uh, Spartacus, I almost said Starzicus, Spartacus Blood and Sand, a surprisingly good television show about the movie <laughs> 300. <laughs> You started so strong. (laughs) I did. Uh, If you want to send us your strategies for canceling J.K. Rowling, or more importantly, your opinions on the limited series Spartacus Blood and Sand, it was a troubled production because the main character got like testicular cancer, like after one or two seasons, uh, and then the filming got really strange. There was an episode, though, that I watched where I think three people got their faces cut off, not their heads, equilibrium style, their faces got cut off. You can send those to at ZCPC WHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. Can't cancel what can't be canceled. We can't be canceled because we're not even on. Nailed it. You can also send us an email uh, with your long-form detective novels set in the 70s or about someone who disappeared in the 70s. But I must demand that they are transphobic and turfy. You can send those to email at zerocredits.net. I really nailed the two thing. I'm really getting used to the two thing. Yeah, isn't life so much much better? At, but now (laughs) I'm doing the two thing. Yeah, life is so much better since we unlocked that bullshit. Life is so much better since we unlocked that bullshit. We are also on Spotify. You can find our podcast on Spotify.com. Incorrect. You can find our podcast by searching. For zero credit, open parentheses, as closed parentheses on the podcast section of Spotify, I'm going to let you know the app does not have a podcast section, so good fucking luck. I tried to move my podcast listening to Spotify so I'd have fewer apps on my phone, and the uh, app listening experience on Spotify is abysmal. Use Stitcher or CastBox. We are on the Apple Podcast Store. We're not on Stitcher. We're not on Stitcher. Use CastBox uh, or Podfuck. You can find us on the Apple Podcast Store. Store. You can buy our podcast on Apple Podcasts by searching for Zero Credits <laughs> Podcast. They cannot buy our podcast. <laughs> you can buy thing. the rights to our podcast and tell no. them what we're about to say. Don't uh, tell them. Search for Zero Credits in the Apple Podcast. Leave us a like. Leave us a rating. Comment if you dare. Uh, Here's the thing. If you leave us a five-star rating and comment and screenshot it and send it to us, we will do something spooky to you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Why would you say that? No, we will not do something spooky you, to them. <laughs> if you leave a comment on a five star no. and, and screenshot, we will frighten you. No, we will, we will not. We will absolutely frighten the shit out of you. <laughs> Jesus and you, you will regret doing it. That's right. The Why would you credits, tell them that? The Zero Credits Halloween Promise. Frighten Times Promise. What the fuck is Halloween? The Frighten Times Promise. If you do there that, you you'll be frightened. Um, anyway, all of that aside... Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was like a slant rhyme there. I heard it. This beer is 9%. Oh, that explains so much about what's happening to you. Uh, they are three 16-ounce cans. Jesus. You, that's what you had? Uh, that's what I'm having. I'm on number oh three. Gosh. Wow. So, word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So please tell... People that you know that the podcast is good, contrary to popular belief. What's the popular? <laughs> what? Everyone, tell everyone you sh- know. I'm not sure that last part was necessary. I want you to find the person that you know best and say, hey, I know what you've heard about the Zero Guns podcast. I know you've heard it's really bad. It's a shit show. They don't really talk about anything that's important. Um, and it's like a deranged clown vomiting in your ears every week. Uh, tell them that that is not true and we are actually good. And then they might listen. And then we'll have like two or three listeners. And that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. I think you, I think you really nailed it this week, John. Yeah, I think this is probably my best. I hope I don't wake up with a hangover on a Wednesday. Drink some water before you go to sleep, my friend. I will. I'm not drinking this beer again. It it uh, it gave me a mal spirit. No, oh, that's not fun. Uh-uh. I mean, uh, well, from everyone here at the Zero Credits to Microphone Smile in a Million Dollar Studios, we want to wish you a happy week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. I've mistakenly liked some of our tweets under my regular profile when drunk, but then took it away.